0: If your friends haven't told you, McDonald's Spicy Chicken McNuggets
1: are back. The ones made with
0: spicy tempura and aged cayenne. But before you go telling friends, make sure you get them first. Order ahead on the McDonald's app. For a limited time at participating McDonald's.
2: It's a new year, which means new reasons to stop by QT, like drinks to wash out the taste of last year. I need more. And fresh snackles worth breaking a resolution. Pizza has tomatoes, so technically, it's a salad. Want to binge a new show? We've got plenty to snack along with it, like our new cheesy mac and cheese.
3: Wow, it's like my wife's, but even cheddar up top. This is the time for
2: new beginnings, and it starts at Quick Trip. QT, more than a gas station. You're listening to the Heroes Podcast Network.
0: Greetings, peasants, and welcome back to another episode of Kaiju Curry House. However, this is a slightly peculiar one. In fact, this is the strangest beast of all, because we will not be covering Kaiju. Or could pause there. So why are we doing this? Well, quite simply because my dear friend, Alan Maxson, aka the right head of King Jodora, said to me, Alex, do you want to do an episode specifically about a movie that I've been involved in? And I said... Yes, I do. So, Alan, can you take us away, please? What is this film?
3: This is a film noir comedy filmed in black and white in the style of Leslie Nielsen, Naked Gun. It's funny, clever, and it just melts your brain. So turn off the news and watch this. That's the point of this film.
0: Wonderful. Before we get into that, what we normally start our episodes off with is a classic pun of what have Kaiju been up to, but because that's monster specific, we're not going to go for that. So let's just do a round the table. Generally, I'm going to start off with Sean, what have you been up to in lockdown the last week? What's been going on?
4: Uh, Let's see. A lot of Netflix queue and Amazon Prime queue, both queues. Um, also trying to work on some writing and, you know, continuing to get the movie out there and We've gotten some quality time together, so that's been nice as well.
0: (laughs) Oh, that's great. Pass on the question. Ask someone else.
4: Uh, Brianna, what have you been doing on this quarantine? Because I think I've spoken to you the least.
2: (laughs) Well, (laughs) I have been helping out my family, which means working in my dad's mechanics shop, getting (laughs) disgusting. Well, that sounds cool. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Not working on cars, just getting disgusting. <laughs> How about Noel? Noel, what have you been doing this last week?
1: Um, well, the last, during quarantine, I was actually able to shoot a uh, a Doctor Who fan film called uh, uh, something, Attack of the Capsidians. And uh, I was able to do um, makeup. I did all my effects makeup on myself, shot it with a green screen, and then all the actors shot their individual parts and they edit them together and they can be found on YouTube.
0: Well, that's cool.
1: And play a space alien.
0: Hmm. wonderful. If you send me a link to that, I will uh, promote that because that's very relevant to my interest. That sounds cool. Sure, thanks. Um, No, it was a lot of fun to work on. Wonderful, Noel, pass on the question, ask
1: someone else. Hey, Alan, what have you been up to?
3: Hey Noel, Uh, I have actually, I've been spending a lot of time writing my next script, my next film and it's been in a progress slowly for a few years because I suck at writing. But I had so much time that I literally took 40 hours every week as if it was my, my job. And on Friday, I locked the final version. So I'm moving forward now with pre-production.
2: Oh, wait, Alan, I've got a question. You're saying you're not a good writer? What about Christmas with Cookie? That was incredible. <laughs> <laughs> uh,
3: that was one draft. And never mm-hmm. got revisited.
2: Exactly <laughs> my point. It was flawless. I take wonder, <laughs> Alan. Brilliant. <laughs>
0: I think for science, I need to do some research to see how many beers I need in order to, to make that film palatable. I'll line up different viewers and be like, right, you have one beer. How funny is this film? Two beers. are They're laughing a bit more. That's harsh.
3: <laughs> uh, so everybody here worked on that movie too. Yeah,
0: yeah no, <laughs> I, that, That's fine. I stand by my statement. You know? oh, wow. <laughs> well, You're now I guess it? I
5: have to watch it. I have not seen it. No, um,
4: what did you think of the puppeteering? The, the, the skeleton puppeteering
0: wonderful not i i like anything hokey and silly with practical special effects that's kind of my angle of interest so the reason why i've enjoyed films you know small or larger with alan in is because i like the practical part of special effects so when i first discovered his trailer reel it was uh, my favorite clip of you with monster alan was I think the film in the woods or something in the woods. And there's the guy behind the, uh, behind the car and then you kind of get him by the window. I, I love that. that, that's kind of, that's my bag. Just sort of silly brainless kind of horror. And in that regard, Christmas with Cookie is great fun. And my- Christmas of
3: Cookie is more brainless than anything for sure.
0: Yeah. <laughs> and, and that has a place, no, and it, it's good. Alan, ask the question to someone else.
3: Uh, Alex, what have you been up to during quarantine?
0: It's been a funny time because on the one hand, during lockdown, I have been fortunate enough to get plenty of hiking in and lots of gardening with my children. So I've been doing lots of exercise. I'm randomly blessed to be the physically fittest I've ever been in my life. I've lost a bit of weight. I've been jogging. I've been doing loads of stuff. That's been good. And I've kept myself mentally strong, which I'm very pleased about. But I am starting to get bored now and i've kind of run through netflix i have run through a lot of my classic movies but i'm, I'm running out of material now and it, it's it's getting a bit tricky it's a bit like having an ice cream day after day by the fifth day you expect the ice cream but it doesn't taste as good does that make any sense <laughs> oh yes uh, it, it, no no doubt, no, no, <laughs> sir, um, but what I did do, I took your recommendation, Alan, and I started rewatching the Planet of the Apes movies, the classic ones, and I got myself on eBay for thirteen pound, which is about like sixteen dollars, the entire box set amazing, three, right, so all five classic films, um plus the two thousand and one uh. The Tim Burton film? The Tim Tim Burton Burton one, which I don't think is amazing, but you know what? It's still a solid entry. It's there. And then... I agree. Yeah. Yeah. It's fine. And then the (laughs) two more recent ones, but not the most recent ones. I've got plenty to watch. And I got that because I wanted to watch Escape from Planet of the Apes, which I've never seen. And I know you rate it very high. so good. Yeah. Mm. So you haven't gotten to it yet? No, I haven't. No. So I've just started watching it. I can't wait. Well, I'll let you know how that goes please (laughs) and mr Derek, what have you what have you been up to
5: oh boy uh you know so my my wife is pregnant with our first kid so yeah so thank you it's it's very exciting so we've been doing a lot of housework you know we we painted the nursery built the crib those types of things um because the it used to be a guest room slash library and we had to move all that stuff out so that's lots of housework lots of landscaping Because I can't go anywhere. Uh, I work from home, so that's like I really I leave to get groceries. That's all I do. And then I come (laughs) back. So keeping myself as busy as I can with that stuff.
0: Wonderful. Well, that's kicked things off nicely. Um Sean, am I correct that you're the director of this film? Yes. Okay. Good. I haven't got my facts wrong. Can (laughs) you (laughs) <laughs> Apologies, I don't want to make a fool of myself. Sean, can you give a simple summary for our listeners, bearing in mind that many people, being more of the monster movie genre frame of mind, won't sure. know much about this? So sure. Not this introduction to it.
4: So uh, what the movie is about, uh, it's about a young actress who, unfortunately, kills herself and the story is about finding out why she killed herself and kind of who was pulling the strings. And we follow a private investigator, Stone Evergreen, played by Mr. Alan Maxson, uh, <clears throat> as he follows this mystery through Hollywood. And now the the charm in the movie, as Alan said, is despite having this really kind of dark plot and, you know, dark storyline, it is a comedy. And it's very much in the style of... Airplane, Naked Gun. Um those kind of movies where there's just a lot of absurdity and goofy, you know, weird stuff like that. It's just it's always been a favorite genre of mine. I think we watch Airplane once a month maybe, probably. probably. Yeah. And you know, Alex asked cuz he
3: was saying how the audience is mainly a monster movie, maybe tell everybody how it started out actually as
4: a monster <laughs> movie. <laughs> That's actually funny. Yeah, about um what was that? Uh 2013, I was writing a an Abominable Snowman movie for some reason. I wanted to do a monster movie and I feel like that's a very underserved community, the Abominable Snowmen. So so I was doing that and I was coming up with these weird characters and I decided I wanted to have this subplot about a private investigator who for some reason was on this mountain. And that investigator was Stone Evergreen. And the more I wrote the script, he became my favorite character by far. And I kind of just threw away everything else and moved him into his own movie. and. Yeah, here we are, put him back in Hollywood. I took him off the mountain, put him in Hollywood. Because and, <laughs> and, uh, that's a world I guess I know a little better than monsters and mountain climbing and all that, believe it or not, so, <laughs>
0: So, uh, so yeah. Alan mentioned pre-recording that you all collectively were involved at Christmas of Cookie. Is that how you know each other?
4: Uh, that's how we met Noel. <laughs> Alan and me went to college together and Alan introduced us to Brianna on a different monster short film entitled Fish Oil Kills. So we all know each other through Alan, mm-hmm. I would say. Yeah, he's the, he's the linchpin. Okay.
0: I bring the friends together. <laughs> this is good. And I feel like I've fully legitimized the reason for this being on a Kaiju podcast. So like, there you go. <laughs> These guys met through various monster mini films. I've done it. I can yes. sit back and relax now. You called it right, Derek. So thank you. No, I do what I
3: can, you know. It's funny because I think before you know, you asked how we met. I, when you asked that, Sean's is the easiest. We went to college together. I've known Sean forever. But then I genuinely try to think about how did I meet Nolan Brianna because I've known them forever as well. And and it's for me, it's hard to remember what our first one was. I remember Brianna's because it was a very funny scenario where she had to like pretend to seduce me, but then kill me in the <laughs> woods. It was very fun. Uh, first meeting, like shake hands. Hi, good to meet you. I guess we'll be working together forever from here on out. Um, but then Knowles, we have a, cont- a a continuing joke of I don't even know how many movies I've worked on with Knowles. I, f- I feel like I'll I'll get a We're call somewhere sheet. Somewhere up at eight for, or nine. Somewhere, yeah. I'll like get a call sheet for the next day for something I'm working on and I'll see Knowles' name and I go God damn it, Knowles' name's too? Again? Nice.
1: <laughs> yeah, That's we, great. we met on a uh, feast of fear um which was the john yeah that yeah. was the john luchago film i did my own makeup and you were in makeup with the, the mask on and you're like hey i'm alan i'm no <laughs> like let's change numbers that's cool we we'll be friends it's just like like grade school and we've been friends ever since mm-hmm.
0: that's really wholesome thanks for sharing that <laughs> <laughs> well, that's pretty much how it went how difficult was this to get off the ground as a film
4: Uh You know, it like it was a lot of work on our part. I think, uh, you know, we we stayed up really late, kind of doing a lot of the prep and stuff. But as far as like the initial kicking it off, I would say not that hard because to say that we went into it with a complete plan would be a complete lie. So it was sort of (laughs) like, we're gonna make this, it's going to work out one way or the other. And I obviously started talking to Alan first and he kind of helped, reach into the acting community and introduce me to some more people. And I don't know. We just kind of took it one scene at a time. We, I guess that's part of why it took three years to shoot all of it. <laughs> um, it took a long time. <laughs> yes. It took a long time.
5: So uh, shooting over three years, logistically, that, that is tough to make sure people's looks don't change too much. How yeah. did oh, you they, they
4: change a lot? in the. <laughs> do,
5: do they? Cause uh, like, I, I don't know. I didn't notice. I must've missed that.
4: Let me throw this out. When you work at this budget point, you kind of have to be pretty fluid as far as like, is her hair a little longer than it was five minutes ago? Eh. You know? My,
1: my hair totally grew out the whole movie. Yeah. It's ridiculous.
4: <laughs> Noel had the most ridiculous mohawk by the end of shooting.
0: No, it was a nohawk. Nohawk. But you, but you saying that uh, the fluidity of the, uh, sorry, with the budget constraints, having a fluid approach to it, isn't that part of the charm? that you can be a little bit less restrictive and just kind of go with how it is.
4: Yeah, I mean, I think so. I think it also kind of allowed us to be goofier with it, you know, because yeah. we, at the end of the day, I think it's hard to be really dramatic with very little money because any little flaw is just so obvious. But when you're trying to be funny, it doesn't really matter. You just have to be funny and get funny people. And luckily we, we found a lot of, Alan found us a lot of funny folks to work with, so.
5: It was part of the style. Yeah, exactly. So I am curious. So IMDB claims that the budget was about $5,000. Would you say that's pretty accurate?
4: Yeah, that is yeah. accurate, actually, Okay, yeah.
5: very give cool. Or <laughs> give or take.
4: <laughs> I give or take. I mean, again, this uh, it's kind of a, I don't know. We, we just sort of flew by the seat of our pants, I mm-hmm. guess. But I, I do have a pretty accurate accounting, and production costs were right around 5000 so. bucks. Yeah. I mean, that well, starts to get you into, like, the original
5: problems. Evil Dead territory.
4: Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's awesome. And we didn't have to spend all that on film costs, luckily. So it was 5000 mm-hmm. towards the movie, not just the lab. So. Yeah, sure. mainly,
3: like, props. What I was going to say is, like, you should look at Sean's behind-the-scenes stuff versus the final product. Because a lot of the stuff that you might not even notice, you can, in the film, you'll see, like, yeah, something about this looks cheap, but I don't know what. But if you see what he did, it's actually amazing what Sean accomplished. Because he built sets in his living room, which is like cardboard, and the way he filmed it and added green screen and composition and everything,
4: so a lot of it is hard to tell that that's just what it is. I do have to, I do have to cut in. I'm gonna have to make sure that we give my my credit to my coworker here because it wa- it wasn't just Sean building the sets. <laughs> she stayed up with me all night making that damn clock tower wall. <laughs> <I'm dead. laughs>
1: In the car, too. In but the car. Of
0: the living
4: room. <laughs> she helped me set up the car. And she helped me put the car back away.
0: <laughs> See, the me. scenes in the car are my favorite.
4: <laughs> oh,
3: thank you. <laughs>
0: yeah, 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 I want
3: to know what Alex and Darren think of this. Or Derek.
0: Well, I'd like Derek to go first, because I've kind of pulled Derek into this. And <laughs> Derek is a gem of a man. Aww. So I, don't, I, I, want, I want to kind of give him more microphone time people hear my voice a lot
5: <laughs> um, no so th- this movie came at kind of a funny time for me because last week on my podcast screen heroes we reviewed a movie called the Velocipaster. <laughs> <laughs> i don't know if any of you are I familiar with that
4: yeah.
5: with that or not but yeah. um it's it's also uh purposely a very low budget film it was about thirty five thousand, so you know very high stakes dollars compared to to this film but uh so getting those two back to back where they were intentionally focused on trying to do something with, with a tight budget, something of a comedic take on a existing genre that tends to maybe take itself a little too seriously from time to time. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it's interesting seeing these contrasts because that was, of course, a monster movie, and this is a noir. Um, so I think for me, I like, like, like Alex said, I like practical effects. Um, I'm a techie, so visual effects can be very cool. But what you can do in the real world is very interesting to me because of the way it looks over time, right? Because these effects will look the exact same way 10 years from now, 30 years from now that they they did today. And I really enjoy that a lot. And so I had fun with a lot of the sets. Um, the, the car was was very interesting because it's funny to me how that look has evolved over the years. Like when you look at like a sitcom or something where they're supposed to be in a car and what the, the green screen and the windows looks like. This was exactly like that. You know, there was really no difference, um, which which is really fun for me. I I like looking back at that. Um, With HBO Max just coming out, I've been kind of re-binge-watching Friends, for example. Uh, And it has that uh, with a lot of the cab rides that they go on and and things of that nature. And watching something that looks exactly the same, um, but they had millions and millions of dollars to work off of, you know, and you guys didn't. And I like that because I think it is harder to put together a film with no money than when you have $150 million to kind of do whatever you want.
4: I agree. At the same point, I think it it forces us to find ways to solve things either as cheaply or as freely, if you will, as possible. (laughs) So um, it was, I don't know, that was a lot of fun for us kind of being creative types and say she brought a lot as far as a kind of some of the finer touches. Um, I'm, I'm more of a like big big ideas guy and she kind of comes in and i'm more creative (laughs) she comes in and refines the the set design and she's always kind of telling me like why don't you do it this way and you'll save yourself whatever and like i say this is why i love you
5: (laughs) (laughs) well so that leads me to to a question about those types of constraints Is, is there anything that you really wanted to do a particular way but because you were trying to to be as tight as possible you found some unique you know last minute way to do it that ended up being really positive for you
4: um honestly i would say the uh the the trash can <laughs> scene you know in stones in the, uh, in the this, alley <laughs> yeah i mean it i i think it looks pretty legit you know him sitting there in that trash can and that's literally a piece of cardboard that was on our trash pile from an amazon delivery we just spray painted it to give it some texture um left a little slit at the top to let some light in. But like it, I mean, I think it looks damn good for literally being garbage.
1: I didn't even know it wasn't real. I thought he climbed in one.
4: No, I just made him sit in garbage <laughs> for hours. Alan didn't mind.
3: I did not, It felt right at home.
0: I was gonna say, how did you decide the length of the film?
4: Uh, You know, the length was more or less just determined by when I kind of ran out of story. I was writing the script and it felt complete to me it wasn't really a full you know normally you want to hit like 90 page script i think i hit 82 maybe but it worked for me and um you know we both read through it um i made a couple of adjustments i think technically it's it had two drafts maybe three yeah maybe three at the end of the day but um but then the final length was just determined in the edit you know, at the end of the
0: day. I ask because in a previous episode when we had Alan Maxson talking about Bettina, the way you framed it to us, Alan, was that you have the option with your budget to either make a more silly film for a longer time limit or to do a shorter film of a more serious tone. And obviously um, your film, A Dead Dame in Hollywood is a bit longer so it's certainly longer than patina which was about five six minutes but that tone is still silly which i guess was intentional so i wasn't sure how you determined the tone and how you determined the script length but by the sounds of it you've explained it
4: yeah and you know i i guess i like the challenge and i i enjoy short films but i don't know i've, I've been a movie watcher my whole life i guess features is what i always wanted to do and i just sort of decided one day i'm just gonna do it i don't yeah. Don't care if we have the money, we'll get there someday. Like, I figure hopefully our best films won't be our first films. So we'll, we'll get, we'll, you know, get some practice out of the way now on lower budgets, and then we'll uh, shock the world someday. So.
0: Well, I think we've come to a natural point to take our first break, guys. So thank you very much so far, and we'll return in a moment.
5: Recently, on the Heroes Podcast Network, Echo Station.
4: Well, what's the main, uh, think... what's the main plan that, that Indoor... The forest moon of Endor. It's a moon. So it's there's a major planet, obviously, that it-
3: Is the forest
0: moon of Endor? Is Endor the actual planet, then?
4: See, th- isn't that confusing? <laughs> yes. Is it the forest moon of the planet Endor, or is it the forest moon called Endor?
5: Screen heroes. If the MCU gets that, then I really think that Space Jam needs to be part of the DCEU. Yes! Okay, because and then they have a big Marvel versus DC crossover where Airbud takes on Space Jam.
0: Man, we should write for these companies.
5: That's what it comes. To. It's Airbud versus Bugs Bunny. That's, yeah, that's what it's right. all come down to, one on one.
2: Yes, done. All right, and then like at the end, it's Galactus versus LeBron James, and
5: Squirrel Girl wins. <laughs> Red shirts and runabouts. Something we've talked about before, and other people have. But there's there's so much of real life history involved with star trek from gene roddenberry's days his time in the military as, as uh, on a bomber pilot as a bomber crewman you know james doohan serving all these people and all these real life events that have impacted things that's very realistic of political and military leaders kind of resigning in protest at a decision they can't control subscribe today at heroespodcast.com spotify apple Podcasts, spreaker Podcast addict and more all right, and we are back with the cast and crew of a dead dame in Hollywood. Next up we're going to be talking a bit about the characters, allow the actors to talk more about how they formed and shaped these these characters and and how they approached the role. Let's start with Brianna, who plays um, Candace Loring.:
2: Yes, I do play candace Loring, the femme fatale in the
5: movie. <laughs> So how did you approach, like, first off, maybe give a, a spoiler free kind of synopsis of who she is and then how you approach the role.
2: Well, I, I, I know when Alicia and Sean first like came to me, they were like, they were like, Hey, Hey Brianna, we we're at like some party. And they were like, Hey, come here, come here. And I was like, what's that? And they're like, I think we have like a role for you in like our next film. Uh, it's, it's like a femme fatale. And I was like, all right, cool. Send me the script. Like that was it. That was all we had to talk about. Um, and so like approaching the role, like, when I read it, it was quite obvious that she was, I mean, she was the, the you know, the uh, Gloria Swanson. She was the, you know, the drone Crawford. She was, the, she was that that character, that person. And so it's just kind of coming to the role like, oh, let's have fun with this kind of over-the-top, full of herself old timey actress.
5: Very nice. Um, let's move on to Noel. Noel, you play the police chief. Redfern.
1: Yeah. Yes, I what, do. What about you? Um, when Sean said that he wanted me to play a, a, a police in his this movie. He said, "And you're going to be the chief of police." You now I went out and bought myself a brand new fedora, and I started wearing it all the time. And people treated me different, so I just got into character. And you know, I've worn that hat out. Um, so um, you know, I really uh, embraced it. Watched tons of old movies, and. Um, Try to um, get very,
0: you know, serious about, you know, playing the chief of police because that's a big job. I have a question, Noel. Mm-hmm. Can I ask why you're not wearing your hat today? Because uh,
1: <laughs> it's like ninety-five out. <laughs>
0: <laughs> okay, it'll
1: it'll it'll block my lighting, but I uh, I can get it if you like.
0: Uh, can you? Yeah. Uh, for, um, after the next break, can you do that for okay. me? You got Thank it. Thank you, sir. Yeah,
5: <laughs> we'll have the hat make a cameo on the podcast. It'll be great. <laughs>
1: I, yeah, I don't so. know how it's gonna. I don't know what's gonna work with this background. I have to turn that background mm. off.
0: <laughs> or possibly to different levels of subscription, you can unlock the the hat as DLC. Yeah. Right. That's it. Yes. Yes. That's how it works. Um, Alan, can I ask about your character?
3: Yeah. So Stone Evergreen is. It's interesting because, Sean and I worked on getting that character right quite a bit when before we started the film. I believe Sean, you'll have to correct me because I. My memory is fading because it was so long ago. But I think we met up a few times and watched a number of movies that you wanted me to, to use as inspiration.
4: We, we and, watched a little bit, and I think I gave you a few clips and stuff to check out as well. Yeah,
3: yeah and then then I think we recorded actually, because in the film, there's a lot of voiceover of, of Stone Evergreen narrating the film. And I think we recorded that all first to help get me into what Sean wanted, but I fell into it pretty quick because I know Sean's style and I know his comedy. And Stone is, it's almost like he's innocent. Like when he thinks about stuff, it's, he misses the point. You know, if, if Brianna's trying to seduce him, I don't know if he always fully gets that she's trying to seduce him. And so he's, I don't know if I'd say he's dumb, he's just oblivious in a way. Mm.
4: Is that right? Is that how you describe
0: him? Yeah, I mean, he's,
4: I, I agree with that. I was just going to add that I think he's very, he's very one track, you know, when he's investigating, it's about the investigation. And whether he's yeah. insulting him or making fun of him or trying to seduce him, it's very secondary because he's like, well, how does that tie into what I'm doing? Yes. So, yeah.
0: He strikes me as a very unmalicious character yeah. who's been pulled into this world that's kind of, bigger and darker than him and he's just sort of bobbing along quite happily and oh that's a murder oh,
3: Okay. <laughs> <laughs> i don't know if i'd say he's bobbing along happily because there's actually quite a bit of stony quite a bit of sadness throughout the whole movie even though he's slightly happy-go-lucky there's like an underlying the world has been kind of shitty to him mm-hmm. at least very recently in this film Mm -hmm. So it's interesting. He's not necessarily happy all the time, but he doesn't let stuff make him worse.
0: Someone's got a girlfriend. (laughs) I have a genuine question for you, Alan. Uh, In your career in acting, you generally wanted to play monsters. That's very clear from your profile. So how come you've gone for this digression? And it does strike me as a digression. What was it that made you go, I want to give this a go? Because your character, whilst interesting, is not a monster.
3: Right. I I guess it's it's not that I don't want to um, play humans. I prefer playing monsters. I find it much more fun and exhilarating for me personally. But I also just enjoy the act of performance. And... Two, I'm, I'm not gonna tell Sean no. Sean asked me to be this character and I know it was very close to him. And so I actually felt honored that he trusted me to bring it to life. Uh, but I guess I never really gave it much thought. It's just, uh, to me, you know, it's performing. And, and I, I consider performing like a, a non-human character versus a human character is the same exact thing. No matter what, you know, you spoke about the woods creature, In that film, I still had a motive, a thought, and a reason behind my intentions as that character of the creature. It may have been very different, as in, my motivation was I have revenge. I want to see everybody's blood spilled. I'm angry for particular reasons that characters are, quote unquote, deserving in the creature's mind. So it's no different. You know, Stone has motivation, he wants to find out who did this to his love interest. And he wants to know why someone he cared about would hurt themselves in such a way. So to me, the acting is exactly the same. It's just a matter of finding that internal motivation of that character. So so I I actually don't look at it different at all. They're almost identical.
0: And what did you enjoy most about the character that you acted?
3: Hmm. It was just fun. I don't know, we just just had a ton of fun on set and- A lot of laughter. A lot of laughter and I, I enjoyed that it was free even though there is very specific dialogue because this is one of those movies you can't really change the dialogue much because each line plays off of each other and Sean writes it so that if you change the sentence at all the joke doesn't land so like you really have to have the dialogue perfect but there's also in a weird way a lot of room for Add living on top of what's already written so that was fun being able to to add add reactions or lines or subtle subtle little things when if Brianna or Noel say something goofy I can genuinely react at least my character could because even though they're they're in the world of the ridiculousness Stone realizes when things are ridiculous so so I actually, as Stone Evergreen, got to react to the goofiness, which mm-hmm. almost breaks the character, but also doesn't in a weird way. Kind of jokingly.
5: You've got
2: to be a little bit of like yeah. the yeah. audience.
5: So do do any of you have an example of something that you threw into the, the role that maybe wasn't on the script paper that you think, you know, that, that made it into the film that you you enjoyed? I got
1: one um so when i asked um stone i said hey i need you to take a look at something but i gotta warn you it's 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 really awful um and it cuts to uh well it's a spoiler is it a spoiler if i say this a—well, uh, <laughs> <laughs> okay so the thing that we cut to i actually hand painted that um oh. that thing yeah so i really did that art um and i was trying to do something something ridiculous so in 1940 i thought picasso would be considered ridiculous i took like a i did a paint portrait but i did like wacky picasso style that just didn't fit you know but uh when as soon as i read that
5: part i'm like sean sean i can paint that i can paint that Uh oh he let me that's cool did you did you get to keep the painting
1: oh yeah i have that too i can bring that after the break yeah. <laughs> this, this is good. Yeah,
5: this yeah. is good, and I, and,
1: and I also did the uh, movie poster as well.
5: Oh, well, the movie poster is very good. Yeah,
3: yeah. Okay, we actually shot the picture of me in that. I believe um, Noel took that picture of me behind the scenes when we were working on uh, the last Puppet Master movie. Yeah. Didn't didn't we? Yep.
0: Yeah. <laughs> What's the last yeah. Puppet Master movie? What is that?
3: Uh, do you know the the franchise puppet master i do not oh, oh. there's like 13 of them <laughs> and <Yeah>. and <laughs> Noel and i worked on on the most recent one and he when he was doing the poster he was like alan i need to get this shot of you in the suit and i think that day i might have been a like a full bloody zombie and so like as i got out of the shower i'm like covered with, like, shit and goo and blood. And he's like, I need to get a picture of you. And I'm like, as Stone Evergreen? <laughs> so I, like, quickly showered and threw on the Ooh. suit. And I went outside and put it on. <laughs>
1: yeah, in, in, in downtown L.A., against a brick wall, it was, like... 95 degrees out we're pouring with sweat and it's just like just get a couple little shots. Click, 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 click. We're trying to we did that while we were working on the other movie. We're like,
4: quick, quick, click, you gotta run back.
1: We did a top secret covert like.
4: Is that why he looks so sad in, in his eyes? In photo?
1: Very serious, you know.
3: Um, but with but I was I was the, pulling many, many uh things that day.
1: Yeah, and we did not have a glass of alcohol, as though we probably could have used it that day, but that's all photoshopped in. And uh, we had lots of different shots from the movie and different scenes and I, I, I did screen captures and then composed it all in Photoshop and then uh, just did some, it's all done digitally to make it look like an old-fashioned
0: painting. Mm-hmm. Nice. Very
2: it, nice. It's great. Um, now, I have a question for Sean, because I, I can't remember, in the script, uh, was Alan... Like throwing and dropping his alcohol glass. Was that written into the script, or was that something that Alan added on set? Wait,
4: wait. Like in a would, when would, I throw it in
3: Justin's face.
2: No, not like when you off the throw balcony. It, like you threw it off the balcony and like just was that was that in the script? I can't remember. Oh, that was
4: my favorite scene when he throws it off the balcony. That was in the script, I believe. Yeah. <laughs> it wasn't that that was there, wasn't it, Alan? <laughs> I don't remember. <laughs> I, think, I think the one with Justin
3: was um in, in the moment, but I don't remember about the, yeah. the other one.
4: Justin was in the moment. No, off the balcony was. I remember now because, remember I told you guys, I finished that script because I, I had promised you guys I'd have a draft by a certain day and I just hadn't quite hit it yet. I w- it was the night before I was supposed to send it to you all. So I stayed up all night and finished the script. And the, the more tired I got, the more weird the jokes became, and <laughs> tossing it that off the balcony came out of that, for sure. So did the rabid cat lady line. That was that was during that marathon session. A lot of the weirdest parts of the script were while I was nice. sleep deprived that well, night.
0: So. I was going to say, in what state of sleep deprivation were you when you wrote about the the French blood slash French wine on the floor? Because th- uh, that was that was particularly silly.
4: Same night. Yeah. <laughs> same night. <laughs> Good night.
0: I think that, that's where the absurdity does come through and shines because there were some moments yesterday when I watched it. I got my children to sleep and I kind of sat there watching it on my phone. And I laughed loud enough that I heard one of them stir. And I'm like, oh no. And it was at the when the moment when Alan leans down and, and tastes the wine and goes, Oh, French. It's like, what? <laughs> Just very, very, very daft. Like really, really daft. And sometimes that that's kind of you were saying earlier alan about switching things off from the news at the moment that's kind of what i need it's just like yeah just to switch off this this is silly and my mind needs that right now
5: oh for me it was the uh, the sound effects of him touching the wet carpet that really sold it for me it was just such a gross <laughs> sound <laughs> yeah it just kind of gave me like a visceral reaction you know
4: i picked the worst one i could find for <laughs> good job that was that was good
0: <laughs> what's your next project sean lined up if you're able to share that with us
4: well you know i think we're we're trying to figure that out right now we're actually both working on outlines and and some scripts and i guess we'll see i don't know i I don't have an exact answer for you i guess fair enough she's working on something that's kind of more in the i would say horror comedy direction Mm -hmm. pose and i'm I'm simultaneously working on an outline for a second stone adventure and something else that I don't want to talk too much about because I keep sort of changing what it is so I don't want to commit to anything right now but uh, but yeah so got some got some shit in the works
5: but evergreen might return
4: evergreen will return as Ooh. long as as Alan will come back and play him so <laughs> <laughs> As will Redfern and I had every intention of if Brianna wanted to do another one, casting her in a different role and the audience can just accept that she plays a different person now. So, so sure. twin sister. Ooh. There, we there we go. I like <laughs> it. <laughs> Sean and I have joked that it'd
3: be funny if we had a Stone Evergreen movie um like one once every decade and we could eventually see him getting old. And it changes throughout the decades from the 40s and forward. And you could see each one change and, and Sean could shoot them differently according to how films were shot in each decade too.
0: Yeah. I, I would like to see some kind of crossover between Cookie And this film because we have spoken Alan about the CCU the cookie cinematic universe and I think that you've (laughs) not kind of given that the time that it deserves I I think that kind of like Sean you need to capitalize on this and I I, I want to see some kind of thing where cookie gets involved with your private detective work
4: oh boy (laughs) you know I I feel like we could make that work some way or another
3: I think I think that'd be an easy one to intertwine (laughs)
4: <laughs> oh who'd we lose
0: it's time to take our second break guys thank you very much for listening so far me 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 but also you the pharaoh fast forwards his favorite foreign film powder donut <clears throat> okay what's my line
3: uh the only line i see here on the script is get options based on your budget with the name and price tool from progressive
0: oh man that's a tongue twister huh I'm sorry, I'm going to need a few more minutes. <clears throat> bulbous Whirlwrist, the Bulbous Whirlwrist. The film. name your price tool, the only from progressive. <laughs> the hour and a foul of the comatose coxswain. Progressive casualty of insurance of company, the company and affiliates, price and coverage match limited by state law. Welcome back to this third and final part of Kaiju Curry House. We have been talking about the film A Dead Dame in Hollywood, which my dear friend Alan Maxson, right head of King Jidora, and the director of the microfilm Patina got us clued in on. First things first, can you share any key moments of the filming process that are gonna stay with you as sort of treasured memories? What What was the most fun for you? Any turkers? I
2: loved the fact that I got to work with my friends. Yeah. Yeah, like that's the thing is like when we finally, cause it did take three years to make the movie and it was like one weekend here and then like six weeks later, another like day or evening, and like, when we finally wrapped, I was actually kind of like, I was sad. I was like, Oh wait, I don't get to see my friends for, uh, Oh, um, so like for me, like the whole, the whole process of making this film and every time I work with you guys, it's it, for me, it's, it's always fun. I always look forward to it. And then when we're done, I always am like, Oh, when's the next time? When's the next one? Cause it's just, it's, you don't find people that you love to work with in Hollywood as often as you would like to think that you do.
3: Yeah, it's like a big family. So get in, Sean. I'm trying.
0: Alan, what was your favorite point of the filming process?
3: It was the same as what Brianna said. Like, it was just a blast. I think there's multiple days where we were just goofing around. We would we'd be eating pizza and we would actually sip on whiskey because it's part of the set so much. and. And I think one of the funniest ones was there's a scene where we're in a bar and all of us had like cigars and cigarettes. And it was just like that place was hot boxed and it yeah. smelled terrible afterwards. But I it got was so much fun.
1: <laughs> I had one, one cigarette and I was totally addicted. <laughs> I quit. Uh, I'm good.
4: Noel picked you know, up there, a habit. <laughs> hey, there, there's so many memorable <laughs> moments. I mean, the whole process, really. But one moment that none of these guys were there for, I just thought I'd share the uh, the very opening shot of the movie when the dead dame is floating in the water. <laughs> oh, <no. laughs> that that is Alicia. Alicia is is the floating corpse of of Marianne. But like, I don't know. Just the process of us getting that done that day with that pool water was so effing cold. But like, we had our premiere. Like, I don't know a couple of weeks after that we were past the point of being able to wait for it to get any warmer and uh we just had to do that over and over again and i learned just how long i can't hold my breath for when i'm i have to go under the water first and she has to just hope i'm in position and then fall in and then i have to shoot as long as possible until i pass out or resurface and
1: how did so you shoot what's that how, how did you shoot that i mean did you put your camera in a bag or was it a waterproof camera or
4: yeah, so I we've got this little like Nikon kind of point and shoot that shoots a HD video. We've got a cheap little underwater housing. So that it was also kind of a, a test to see if that underwater housing worked as good as advertised.
0: So. You know, Sean, <laughs> we
3: like to we like to torture ourselves. Uh, we did that for cookie as well. We had an underwater scene and it was also freezing as hell. But the funny thing yeah, about that You guys one, did
2: that you guys did that at my house, right? Yeah, and the, and the pool was, like, not heated at yeah, all. Yeah, it was
3: freezing. But also, not only did Sean have to hold his breath, but Evan, he's this big dude. He's got to be, what is he, six, six, maybe? He, he's a big dude. And he floats. He can't go underwater. So we literally, I had the, the pole that you scoop all the crap out of the pool with, the cleaner, and... I literally just forced him under and I held him under and I was like, just push, push when you're ready for me to release. And so basically I'm like afraid I'm like drowning him and he's under there doing his thing. And, and he gets up and he's just like, that was dang cold.
4: Yeah. <laughs> this, is <laughs> no, this is how we keep it fun though. I think is, is these weird, Projects we do, and we come up with the weirdest ways to make them work, so we don't have to spend money on them. But at the end of the day, it's it. I don't think it ever really felt like work while we were shooting. I mean, maybe the night before while we were prepping for ten hours or whatever. But but once we get on set with these guys, we just we laugh and we joke and.
2: Probably why it took three years to film.
4: Yeah, well, not
1: two. But one thing that I noticed that while we were filming on this project, I mean, we were fairly close. The entire time, somebody, Mr. Alan Maxson, kept the whole Godzilla King of Monsters under wraps, I had no idea until my son woke me up at 1 o'clock in the morning. He's like, oh, hey, Dad, look at Alan. And uh, I'm like, but no, that's impossible. I've been working with him like side by side for for a year, and he never mentioned it. So that was kind of cool surprise that you did that in between while we were filming that.
3: Yeah, I think we started filming this before I did that. And that's part of the reason why I think everything took so long too, because my schedule. Because then I was doing that while multiple other projects, and I think did we maybe I we started doing like our convention circuit too. So I was
4: I kept going away, and I know I held up a lot of the shooting. So sorry, Sean. <laughs> oh, it's all right. Like, let's not forget, we got married in between shooting. Alan got married in between shooting. I think Brianna got married about a month or two after we finished shooting, we all had a lot of
3: on. I'm, and I'm
5: still single. What the hell? <laughs> in the sequel, in the sequel. Yeah.
4: <laughs> so, I mean, a lot of things. It, it wasn't just you, Alan. A lot of things came up in between a three-year span. So it's true. It's all right.
0: Noel, what projects have you got on the horizon?
1: Well, um, like Alan had mentioned earlier, uh, we both worked on the new Full Moon uh, Puppet Master movie called Blade the Iron Cross. And um, I play another cop in it. Um, I'm, I'm one of the not so nice cops. Um,
0: okay.
1: Yeah. Wearing and, that uh, hat? No. Um, well, actually in one scene, actually I play two characters in the movie because they needed someone, um, I needed to look completely different from my mm-hmm. character. So I sort of do makeup and try to turn myself into different characters. So I donned a mustache, put on some glasses, wore this hat and I was in the newsroom. And kind of turned myself into my grandpa, you know. Oh no! <laughs> yeah.
3: Can I can I make fun of you for a moment? Yeah, during sure,
1: this? of course.
3: So, so I'm in that scene too, and uh, <laughs> I already know where this is going. There, it's a scene <laughs> where no spoilers. I I'll, I guess I have to avoid the spoiler part of it because the film's not out yet. But but suddenly they call um cut. The take is over, and and everybody just hears. And and we're all looking around and we're like, what the hell is that? And and then the director, John Lachago, walks up to Noel and shakes him. Hey Noel, wake up. The take's over. <laughs> well, I, I was I was laying on the ground and they
1: were taking a long time to film their scene. So I just got comfortable.
0: You took a power nap.
3: Yeah, it was great. I felt it awesome.
0: Oh, wise God.
3: So, so when you see the movie. He's actually asleep in that moment. <laughs> awesome. In, in, in the new, in the newsroom.
2: <laughs> so, so, Noel, you really did turn into your grandpa.
1: I did. <laughs> um, but yeah, no, that was a lot of fun, and that's going to be coming out at the end of the month. Um, Alan, uh, I can sh- take it back over to him, because he can tell what he did in the movie.
3: Uh, I actually have multiple roles in that film. I play the main puppet in the Puppet Master franchise that most people know is Blade. Yeah. And this movie centers around that particular puppet and they use two different things to make him come to life. They have the, they have Tom Devlin who's puppeteering the actual puppet. And then they have me in a six foot suit for the scenes where I'm slashing, running, jumping, anything that you can't really get with the puppet from a a wide shot and they cut the two together. So I get to play blade, which is awesome for me because, I was a huge puppet master fan growing up and I have action figures and everything. So Hmm. it's awesome that I get to say that I got to bring him to life. And then I play a zombie in it. I'm also in the newsroom as a human. And then I have a bunch of other random little like hand, eye, other thing cameos for insert shots. Mm -hmm. So I'm trickled throughout the whole movie, probably more than was anticipated by anyone when they set to make the movie.
0: And what other roles have you got on the horizon? Or has that been the central one to take up your time?
3: Um, that was that was the biggest one right before the pandemic hit. Because I think we filmed my stuff as Blade. It had to have been a week or two before lockdown. So since then, it's been really quiet. I've had a couple of voiceover jobs from home and, I, and a Zoom job. I, was, I got a job at... Uh, for a pandemic movie. And other than that, you know, it's quiet in this town. So people will probably see new movies popping up in 2022.
0: (laughs) Well, fingers crossed for you that lots of projects head your way very soon. Thank you, thank you. Uh, Brianna, what have you got on your horizon?
2: Uh, Well, there's a comedy that I'm in that's not a dead name in Hollywood. It's called The Eagle and the Albatross uh, that just came out uh, video on demand like a week ago. Uh, so that is getting some some good good fun play. It's a good comedy uh and then i'm I just got cast in another comedy um with a couple of friends of mine that do a lot of stand up comedy and it's about um a young woman who it's called a, a year of laughing dangerously courageously uh, uh, ah, I'm terrible um but uh yeah, I do just do a little cameo, I'm helping them out with that project so yeah, had, had some voiceover work and got some audiobooks coming out. So,
0: oh, nice. Well, it is time to wrap up, folks. However, before we do that, Sean, can you please tell us exactly how our listeners can track down this charming film?
4: Sure. Uh, I would say the most accessible way for most people is it is available on Amazon Prime uh, in both the UK and the United States. It is also available on Vimeo on Demand. Um, worldwide where any country that gets vimeo i don't know it's not as locked down um so you can go either of those places we've also got a little web presence on instagram uh we've got a twitter facebook and our official site www.adeaddamonhollywood.com
0: thank you for that derek do you have any further questions
5: well, I like to make sure everyone has an opportunity to plug any social media presence that they have, in case anybody wants to like ask you a question, or if you want to, you know, promote other other things. So if you just want to go around and say how people can find you, if they can.
4: Uh, okay. Well, yeah. For us, it's uh, Instagram would just be Dead Damon Hollywood, same as Facebook. Your Instagram.
2: My Instagram is
1: AlienPixie. Alien underscore pixie And I'm on Facebook as well
4: I'm on Facebook (laughs) as well too Uh, Noel Um,
1: I'm just under Noel Jason Scott You just type those letters in And
0: I show up (laughs) But but your fedora has its own Twitter page Am I right?
1: (laughs) Um, Not yet But thanks for reminding me I'll have to get that URL
0: (laughs) Thank you sir (laughs) Brianna
2: uh, yeah, if you, swap, if you spell my name correctly, it's with two e's and two n's and a split. Uh, Brianna Judy, you find me on Facebook and Instagram and all of the all of the socials.
0: Wonderful, Alan, Monster Maxson,
3: on all of them as well.
0: Excellent. You can follow Kaiju Curry House on Twitter. It's at Curry Kaiju, and um, yeah. Give us a follow, listen to us on all of your regular podcast shows. If you find me on Facebook, send memes. I love a good meme. And Derek...
3: And cat videos.
0: I'm, I'm partial to a cat video. I'm partial to one.
2: I think we're That's all what cat I, people. I, I,
0: get, I get five cats.
5: Yeah.
1: Wow. That's and it's it just Well, I had two, but then now I got five.
5: <laughs> Stuff happens. That happens. That'll happen. Yeah. Eric oh yeah so uh you can find me on the screen heroes podcast here on the heroes podcast network or you can just talk to me at the star trek dude on twitter and facebook because that's the star who I am trek, dude I am the star trek dude
3: yeah so I have to admit I just recently got into star trek and I'm a huge trekkie now
5: well we should talk <laughs> yeah. you just
2: recently got into it
3: <laughs> yeah, thank you shockingly I'm I'm all about Deep Space Nine, so we need to talk. It's a
5: good choice. Good choice. So wait, so so Brianna, does that mean you're a Star Trek fan then?
2: I mean, I've all I here's here. Okay, so just crazy side note. Um, I want to get into space so bad before so I die. Bad. Yeah. So like, I when I was in college, I had got my degree in tourism, and my thesis was on space tourism. Like, it's a real thing. It's legit. I want to do this so bad. And in all the people I've ever met in my entire life, the coolest person was Buzz fucking Aldrin. And <laughs> so, yeah. So Star Trek, yeah, of course. I love it. Star Wars, yeah, why not? Anything that has to do with space, I'm in.
5: So Fantastic.
0: Um, Brianna, both of my cousins are named after the astronauts. Oh. Yeah. So I have um, Neil Armstrong Cole as my cousin and I have Buzz Aldrin Cole.
2: Wow. I love it. I love. it. Well, and, I got um, drunk with Buzz. So it was
0: great. And my I just dear, co- something new. <laughs> and my dear cousin Neil Armstrong Cole. The reason why he's got that name is because his parents were bored during the moon landing. Wow. Oh,
2: that is that's is awesome. All,
0: All right. right. True story, folks. Thanks for listening. I love it. Um. So. As tradition on Kaiju Curry House, my favourite part of the show is actually giving everyone around the table a chance to recommend a personal favourite of themselves. Um, sorry, a personal favourite of theirs from the monster genre. However, we'll keep it broad. It doesn't have to be a monster movie. It can be something that's dear to you that our listeners might not have heard of. So, it can be a book. It can be a TV show. If nothing else, Alan, what can you recommend? to our listeners
3: you know what, i'm gonna i'm gonna go kaiju because it's the kaiju curry house i recommend death kappa
0: death kappa's solid that, that, yes. that's a decent movie nice i okay. really
3: recommend it it's so fun to watch
0: wonderful noel if nothing else what would you like our listeners to check out well technically i wasn't
1: supposed to be there but i've already seen an advanced screening of something that. Um, might have a giant monkey in it and another giant lizard. And all I got to say is be prepared. It's going to be awesome. Um, I did not say nothing, but November 2020. Okay, it's fine. It's King Kong versus Godzilla. It's going to be great.
0: It's been postponed. Yeah, to, to May, I think, or April. Yeah, it's been postponed. But your point still remains. It will postpone. <laughs> It's gonna be amazing. There we go. Not being knocked down by the negativity. There, thank you, Noel. Brianna, if nothing else, what can you recommend?
2: Uh well, I you know let's go with the classics. If you've never seen Elvira, then you have not lived. Which one? Uh, the uh, original from like nineteen eighty.
1: Mistress of the Dark.
2: Yeah, Mistress of the Dark. Yeah, it's my favorite. It was one of my favorite movies growing up. I thought it was so scary when she put that monster down the disposal.
0: And the lovely couple, our two directors, what can you recommend to us?
4: Do you have a recommendation? Monster? (sighs) Horror? Well, probably Nightmare on Elm Street. I've just
2: always been a big fan of Freddy Krueger and Robert Englund, but... um...
4: That'd be my recommendation. I think that's fair. Uh, for, <laughs> I'll take a more obscure one. Years ago, me and my my good friend, Chris, uh, who is a big Godzilla fan. Alan, you know which Chris I'm talking about now. Uh, we saw a movie on Netflix called The Manster, and we watched it just because of the name, because we're like, so he's a man monster? He, like, what is that? It was actually, I mean, it was, you know, campy and kind of dumb, but like, we really liked it, and the ending is hilarious. A bunch of people just, I don't even want to say, go see The Manster, you'll laugh, it's funny.
5: Eric, are you ready? I think so, yeah. Um, I'm actually going to plug a short film that a friend of mine made a few years ago that I think is pretty relevant to everything going on in the world right now, or at least here in the States. Um, it's called Onsite, S-I-G-H-T, so onsitefilm.com. You can watch that for free out there if you're interested in watching something that's kind of serious and in tune to a lot of the current events. I play guy number three in the background. My line was cut, so I don't have a speaking role. But
2: <laughs> Hey, there's no small parts.
5: <laughs> Correct. My, car, my car has a bigger role in it than I do, so. <laughs>
0: <laughs> nice car. And if nothing else, I would like to encourage you to all check out the 2007 film by Frank Darabont, The Mist. And I would like yeah. you to watch that in black and white as it absolutely. was originally intended. It is absolutely wonderful. It has all the elements of horror, social drama. I think it's a lot of relevance to today. And the fact that the humans are, as always, the bigger monsters than the kaiju in it. So, Fantastic Myst film. is one of my favorite films. Um, friends, it has been an absolute pleasure recording with you all. So, thank you very much. Listeners, do give a dead dame in Hollywood a chance. It's so important that we promote each of us' projects. So, opportunities like this should be taken. So, have a listen to it. Get yourself on Vimeo or Amazon Prime and download it. Thank you very much, everyone, and keep it kaiju. Goodbye.
2: Thanks for joining us at the Curry House today. If you enjoyed it, why not visit heroespodcast.com to see other shows in the network, and if you want to get in touch with us, you can tweet us at currykaiju, or join our Facebook group UK Kaiju Fans. Thanks very much, and we'll see you next
0: time. Me, 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 but also you. (laughs) The Pharaoh fast-forwards his favourite foreign film, powder Donut. Okay, what's my line?
3: Uh, the only line I see here on the script is get options based on your budget with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive.
0: Oh man, that's a tongue twister, huh? I'm sorry, I'm going to need a few more minutes. Bulbous Walrus, the Bulbous Walrus. The Name name Your Price price tool, only from Progressive. (laughs) The owl ran afoul of the comatose cock Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and affiliates price and coverage match limited by state law.
2: We're always driving to dance lessons. So we signed up for Know Your Drive. We save money and get closer to her dancing dreams.
4: The daring young man on the flying trapeze.
2: Or maybe her singing dreams. Sign up for Know Your Drive and save up to 20%. American Family Insurance.
0: Insure carefully. Dream fearlessly. Products not available in every state. Discount terms apply. Visit Amfam.com slash knowyourdrive for details. American Family Mutual Insurance Company, S.I. and its operating company, 6,000 American Parkway, Madison, Wisconsin.